She's always got the giggles this morning, man. I don't know what she got in. You get a hold of something? All right, guys, y'all ready? Good to see everybody here. Y'all got here? Well, I guess if you hadn't checked your clock, you'd been here early. Yeah. yeah right? It's the other one that gets you. I get confused. It's the other one that gets you. I know I woke up. I left out this morning. It's daylight already. So, wait a minute. This don't work. I thought, oh, that's right. It's going to get dark. It's going to get dark before Connor gets home from school. <laughs> so, he'll be walking around in the dark. So, anyway, uh, good to have you guys here. If you watch this online, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if and I always forget to do this, but if there's anything that you need our help with, you need to. If you have questions about anything we study, anything we talk about, please call us. Get a, get us uh, online. All of our information is there on the screen for you. Uh, and just uh, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you, even if it's a even if it's something that you know. Hey, you just want to thank us for just. Uh, Anything you want to do. If you want to help uh, if, with our ministry, however you want to help, uh, we'd be glad to have you join us. Uh, and if you're here this morning, as we have our um, wayward folks are back from their vacation. So, uh, uh, one thing, uh, if you, uh, if when you go in the auditorium, okay, I'm going to give you a heads up. There's some scaffolding in there, all right, that, uh, if you have a if you have a beep about it, go talk to Mark. <laughs> and you know what he'll tell you? If you have a beep, come up here with me. I'll call you. You come up here and you can help me do what I had to do. Trying to get the TVs working. We found out that the machine we bought that you it doesn't work on the stage. You can't use it on the stage. You know, it, it doesn't have telescoping legs. It's great for the ceiling, but so we had to, we had to build a scaffolding that was safe. 
so they could work on the TVs. They couldn't get the TV now. So they, they replaced all four of them on one side. They're all done. That's all that's all up and running. You'll notice that the that the lines are smaller, the picture's crisper, uh, and they're still working on the other side. It's still got two more to do. Uh, you can see it. It's, it's up and running, but it's, uh, uh, like I said, here, you hear the man. You have a problem? Talk to Mark. That's it. And he'll tell you, hey, come up and help. And be glad to get your input. They were, they were up here for two solid days. Two solid days. You know, all day long working on that stuff. That fiasco started on Wednesday. It started on Wednesday. They put the machine up on the stage on Wednesday. It took four of them to put the machine up there. Then found out they couldn't use it. Oh, God. So now they got to take it down. So Saturday morning after breakfast, they, a bunch of them went over there and, and helped get it down, get it put back up. And, uh, so anyway, uh, for those of you who are wondering, uh, June Wilburn is home. Uh, they sent her, they took her to the emergency room and sent her home. And uh, and not doing well. She's got uh, She's got heart issues. And, uh, you know, Ginger was, you know, I talked to her yesterday. She was crying. You know, she's had a couple of seizures, a couple of probably mini strokes is what she's had. So uh, June June will, you know, is doing really poorly. Let's put it that way. Uh, I don't know how poorly. I haven't talked to her today yet. But, uh, you know, she's asked that we pray for her, pray for the, pray for June and pray for the family. So we're going to do that this morning. Uh, you know, the, and, of course, you all know Glenn Dory's passed away Friday. Friday? Was it Friday? Thursday? Yeah. Glenn Dory's passed away. Yeah. Uh, they have. They don't have any anything about any uh, funeral or anything like that. They won't do that until tomorrow. So Roberta's not doing well either. Uh, so you know we we uh, we're going to be inundated with uh, with funerals here in the next uh, next few weeks probably. So uh, we'll just let you know everything we know. We'll let you know. Uh, as it as it happens, as as fast as we know. So, anyway, yes, ma'am. Do you know any updates on Kelly Tiffin's dad? On who? Kelly Tiffin's dad. I have no idea. I don't know what she's talking about. She she sent a message to our group yesterday that he was in uh, in ICU. Houston. If they don't call us, if they don't call the office, don't call Pam, don't call one of us. We don't, you know, we only know what we're what what people tell us. So now we know. Right. No, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, Kelly uh, Tippin's dad. I don't know anything Steve about it. Kelly, Kelly, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't know, I don't know what. I didn't even know he was in the hospital. Do what? So he's in Houston. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, if you find anything, call me and give me an update, okay? And I'll let everybody know. All right. No, I did not know he was even having surgery. Steve, no. I didn't know that at all. You know, there again, if they don't tell us, we don't know anything. You know, we depend on you guys to keep us informed so everybody else can be informed, okay? And sometimes, people don't want everybody to know. I had to call Ginger back and say, is it okay if we put this out? Because I didn't know if we were supposed to put it out or not. She said, absolutely. So that's why you got the email blast, because that was after I called her back to find out, can we put this out or not? Because sometimes people get upset. They don't really want And I didn't know if June knew or not. I didn't know what was going on with her. You know, she may see the email blast and say, what, I'm dying? 
what what's going on? Yeah. You know, so she doesn't have emails. She doesn't have, she have email. email. Okay. Well, yeah. 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 I don't never know. Yeah. I People know. in my family thought for a long time I would never have email. <laughs> so there you go. So, and you know they're they're laughing because you know I've come into the in the 19th century. That's <laughs> what they say. So anyway. So. Uh, we had a great men's breakfast yesterday. We had about 25, 28, 30, I don't know, something like that. Had a good group. It was good. And we had a lot of our regulars that weren't here. So, Cole, all Cole's kids are all sick. You know, they're all out. So, you know, so yeah, we had a few that just weren't here. So, uh, right there, Sandy, right, right there. Okay. All right. Let's uh, Let's pray and we'll get started, okay? Oh, one more thing. Uh, Sue's aunt just lost her, uh, Sue's cousin. What did you say her name was? I don't remember. Beverly. Beverly. They're the one who died. Or, that's the one who died. All right. So just remember that family. Uh, there's, and all of us got stuff in our families. There's all stuff going on all the time. So always got something going on. So let's pray and we'll get started. Okay? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. Father, I pray that you be with this church. I pray, Father, that we will be a shining light to a lost and dark world. I pray, Father, we'll be a, a beacon of hope to the hopeless. Father, help us as we worship this morning uh, and people show up, uh, maybe visitors will be here, that we will that we will do both of those things with them this morning as well. Father, help us to be mindful always of what our responsibility is as a, as a family, as a church, and as individuals. We are to go in to seek and save the lost. Help us never forget that, Father. Helps to always remember that every one of us has a responsibility to do that uh, in any any capacity we have, whatever talent we've been given. Father, we pray your your blessing on us as we as we worship this morning and this morning as we study. Help us to learn, Father. We want to be we want to be connected to the truth. We want to we want to develop a love for the truth. And I pray, Father, that you help us to do that this morning in a small way. Father, again, thank you for loving us and thank you for for the folks that, that are here. That so much talent, so many people with so much ability, and I just thank you, Father, for the way you bless this place. Bless us, encourage us, lift us up, Father, this morning as we as we worship and study together. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. You want to turn over there? Chapter 4. Paul is uh, is at the, at the end of his life. He's writing a letter to Timothy uh, and and uh, because he knows that he won't be here long, and and he's going to leave this young young man, young preacher, uh, and and so he's giving some final instructions. Chapter four is uh, is he's really talking about the false teachers and the listeners with itching ears is what he's talking about. People that want to hear what they want to hear. They don't care what the truth is. They just want to know. They just want you to tell them what they want to hear. And they so they had that problem then, just like the problem is today. We have to be aware. We've talked about this. You know, we talked about it. I asked you last week, how can I make sure that I'm not one of those listeners that have itching ears and just want somebody to tickle my ears? And so we're going to move on from that this morning. And and, and Paul's going to say, and we're going to we're going to start in verse six. And I want to read through verse eight. He says, "For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me." The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who long for, who have longed 
for his appearing. Now, Paul does a, a quick summary of his life here, and, and I just wanted to, you know, he's, uh, he's telling us what he's been doing. I've fought the good fight. I've run the race. And we're going to talk about that this morning from our perspective. What does that mean to me? What, is, what should I learn from this guy? What should I learn from the people around me? That are doing that very thing. How should I? How should I? How should I approach this? So I want you to turn to uh, to First Corinthians chapter nine, and I want to read this text as well. First Corinthians chapter nine, and we're going to start in verse twenty-four. He says, "Do not do you not know that in a race all the runners run?" But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached, preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. You hear what he said? I want to ask you a question. What are you doing in your own life to make sure that you finish the race and you fight the good fight? What are you doing? Because Paul said, Paul, the apostle said, if I don't, I'm in danger of being disqualified for the prize. Do you, what, is, what do you think that means? What is he saying here? What is his fear here? Huh? Just because. Won't go to heaven? Just because I did all this good stuff doesn't mean that if I don't keep myself right. Okay. I could be in danger of, of not making it. <clears throat> okay. Anybody else? What do you think you say? What, just, what's... just proves no one saved always. Before I was going, <laughs> hold on to that thought. I'm going to get back to you in just a minute. Anybody else? Would... Mm -hmm. I think it means that the devil seeking to devour us, if we do not make the fight, Okay. You know, what was Paul What was Paul doing this for? What, what was he doing it for? He was doing it to get a crown. He said, a crown of righteousness. All right, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, in a minute. But, you know, we've been talking about false teachers. And one of the false narratives, false doctrinal ideas out there, the ideology is that once you're saved, you're always saved. And I heard it hundreds of times in the jail. Hundreds of times I'd hear that. That, well, I was saved back in the day. That means I'm going to heaven. And I'm looking, and they're sitting on a floor, and they got charges against them with a $100,000 bond on them. Really? Really? You know, explain how that works to me. Well, some of these texts, this text here in particular said, Paul said, if I don't do this, I could be disqualified. He's going to talk about a guy in a minute named Demas who did go back. And I've heard all kinds of preachers try to try to spin this guy to where he really didn't go back. To That's not what it said. You know, there is a chance that I could lose my salvation. There is a chance that that... That ideology of that false narrative of once you're saved, you're always saved is garbage. Not true. Okay? Now, what are you doing to make sure you finish the race and fight the good fight? What are you doing? What are you doing? What 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 look at what Paul said. I want go back to, to 2 Timothy for a minute. Look back there. Look at what he says. He says, I have fought the good fight, I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous, will award to me on that day. You know, it, 
Gee, Paul had always looked forward to Jesus coming back or Jesus appearing. He always looked forward to that. Do you look forward to Jesus coming back? Yes. It doesn't mean that, that I'm going to look at all the situations around and, and get camped on that, but I look forward to him coming back. I want, I want, I want to know, I want, I want him to be here. All right. I want to be with him. And then he said, he said, he said, he's always lived righteously. And then he said, he served faithfully. Now, what am I doing? What are you doing to make sure that you fight in the good fight, that you're running the race? What are you doing? Tell me what you're doing. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going down the path. Don't give up. Keep going down the path. What are you doing? You know, huh? When I was in the Navy and I had people under me, we had a physical fitness test we had to take every year, every six months. Okay. The hardest thing for people that were borderline going to fail their test to convince them of is keep going. Okay. Put one foot in front of the other and don't stop. Okay. You know, because when you stop, it's that much harder to start again. Mm -hmm. And the more times you stop, the longer in between the times you stop to the time you start again. You know, and to run the race, I mean, don't stop. Don't quit. Don't mm -hmm. give up. Any of y'all know who David Goggins is? Any of you know, it's a black man that decided he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And and in like three months, he lost 100 pounds because he knew that he wasn't going to ever get in at, at the way he was at. And, uh, and he, uh, he became a Navy SEAL. And he's, uh, he is, uh, if you listen to him talk, you listen to him do an interview, the guy's insane. He's insane, not necessarily as a, as a soldier, but he's insane in his regimen of how he trains. He said, go ahead, Matthew Williams. He took him three tries, so Everybody told him he couldn't do it. What are you doing this for? You can't do this. You're not ever going to do this. And he said, I'm going to prove them wrong. He says today, they asked him about his training today, and he said, the first thing I do, he said, I get up about 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30, and he said, I run. And he said, I run first because it's what I hate to do. He said, I hate running. I hate to run. He said, so I get it out of the way first. He runs, he runs like five miles in the morning, five miles. He runs. That's 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 every single day, seven days a week, you know, 365 days a year. He runs every day. And then he starts training. And he still trains. He's not a Navy SEAL anymore, but he still trains every day. You know, is that an extreme? Would you say that's an extreme? Yeah. Yeah, for, for someone who wants, in a physical way, that's that's probably extreme but that's what that's what he thought he needed to do that's what he needed to do to make sure that he was that he was in the in the shape he needed to be in to become the seal he needed to be it shows i've seen pictures of him as a navy seal and think i don't know how long he was in the in the seal teams i don't know anything about it i just i just thought this is a guy who gives us an example of what it means to go into training what is what's that like you know he tells us in first corinthians chapter nine he said you know i beat my body make it my slave what does that mean? If I'm going to put this into practice in my life, if I'm going to strive, my question was, what are you doing to make sure you finish the race and fight the good fight? I'm going to train. What does that mean? What's it going to mean for you to train? You know, Chris, you, you, you coach football players, right? What do you expect from them when it comes to their training when they're not playing a game, but the other days of the week? What do you expect from them? They are working as hard on these days they're not playing them harder probably than what they are at the game. I heard somebody, I don't remember who it was, said 
said a game, the game day is fun. Yeah, that's the easy part. He said the that's other the days are what's not fun. <laughs> but to, to be successful on game day, yeah, you have to yeah. do the other days. It's the prep, preparation up front. So how do I connect that? How do I relate that to my well, spiritual walk? If you don't put the effort in on the practice days, game day is not fun. Yeah. Because then you yeah. get beat a lot. Yeah. You get beat, beat a lot. <laughs> okay. Hold, hold on a minute, Ben. Yes, David. But you need patience and endurance. I okay. think that's what Paul had. I think he constantly prayed. Okay, prayed. If patient, prayer, endurance. What you're saying? Yeah. Bendra, what were you going to say? My footnotes are really good. It says that the essential disciplines of prayer, Bible study and worship, equip us to run with vigor and stamina. Do not merely uh, observe from the grandstand. Don't just turn out to jog a couple of laps each morning. Praying diligently, your spiritual progress depends on it. Okay. That's really important. Okay. You can't just jog along and say, oh, I'll do five minutes today or something. You've got to really stick with it. How many of you, I, I, I maybe shouldn't ask this, but how many of you spend time thinking of this every day? Every day. You spend time thinking about it every day. That I'm in training today for whatever God's going to bring my way. Good, bad, or otherwise, I'm going to make the best out of this situation, the best I know how, and I'm in training today. You know, is, is that really that, that, that many of you? Good. I didn't know how many I would get. Good. You know, so you're in training. That should be an example to the rest of you. That every day when I get up, I'm, I'm thinking about training. Say, okay, so then what is your training involved? What are you doing? In, what's involved in your training to, to accomplish that? What are you doing? Reading the Word and studying. Reading the Word. Okay. Studying the Word. Okay. Then acting upon it. Acting upon it. Do you, have a, do you have a plan every day of what you're going to do, how you're going to use, how you're going to apply the Word? Do you have any kind of plan every day? Do you, do you have a plan? You know, David Goggins had a plan. Before he ever, ever went to steal, before he ever ever went to try to, to become a seal, he had a plan. The first thing I had to do is I had to lose weight. That's what he said. I have to lose weight. I have to lose 100 pounds. And he lost 100 pounds. He said, now I have this to do. And he had a checklist. He said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And he said, then I'm going to apply. And, then, and, he said, and he said, failure, not doing it, was not an option. He said it wasn't an option. I don't know if you, if you, ever, if you ever researched that, but, you know, Bud Week is... is probably one of the one of the toughest things that anybody can ever go through from what I've heard that it is that it is grueling to become a Navy SEAL uh, you become a SEAL you know you're the elite you're one of the elite you know the, the things they have they're required to do to become one to be able to do the things to be able to be successful in doing some of the missions that they have to do missions that some of us we will never know about you know we'll never hear anything about it I think Mark when you were when you were in the Navy, you know, they had a SEAL team that went down uh, in a helicopter and and all of them died. And we never heard about it. That's how secretive some of this stuff is. But these guys trained to get to that point and never they never stopped. Marcus Luttrell, you know, he, he is one of the one of the guys in, in what was the name of that movie? Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. He was a Lone Survivor, Marcus Luttrell. You know, uh, you know, all of his all of his other team members got killed. A bunch of them, sixteen of them, got blown up in a helicopter that were trying to come rescue him. You know, somebody shot an RPG in the helicopter and killed them all. You know, 
So like 20 guys died on that one mission. You know, some of it you never heard about. Because the, the, the training, the, the intensity of this is, is, I think if we don't take this to our spiritual walk, we're not going to make this. You understand what I'm saying? It, that's how important, this is more important than becoming a SEAL. This is more important than running a marathon. You know, you you what if you trained for what what were you training for? Uh, half Ironman. Yeah, half, half Ironman. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? You know, Dang, yeah. I remember when she was training. I'm going, dude. <laughs> 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 I ain't never in my whole life looked like that. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh -huh. yep. But it was intense, wasn't it? Mm. But you had a goal. Mm. Yeah. And you were, I'm going to accomplish this goal, right? Mm -hmm. I have no idea why. <laughs> but, but, I she does <laughs> but I, I want you to know I was impressed. I was impressed that anybody would go through that kind of training to get to a place where you where you were that kind of shape. That was insane to me. Uh -huh. Well, we just had trunk or treat, mm -hmm. and I mean, for a lot of us who are out there working and, and doing everything during trunk or treat, that's definitely an endurance race. I'll it is. It is. And, uh, and but but the thing about that is. It is an act of service that we've been training for, mm -hmm. yeah. And and our heart should be in the place, and our mind should be in the place that we can get through it and do it. And that's why that's why excuses like "Well, I've done my time," or you know, "I don't really feel like it today," or whatever the excuse is, you say that those excuses, guys that that train like that, can't have those kind of excuses. Mm -hmm. You have to go past those, you know. Otherwise, you won't be successful. Yes, ma'am. Insane. It, I mean, not insane uh, in a negative, but it's insane what they what what they have to go through to get to that point. I think this is more important, don't you? This is eternal. All of that stuff's not eternal. You're not. It, this doesn't have anything to do with eternity. That what those things go physical training. You know, playing football is just playing football. It's a game. You get ready to play a game, right? You know, coaches are worth the salt. Tell the guys, hey, this is a game, man. Go have fun. You've already done the hard work. Go have fun. This is not a game, guys. What we're involved in is not a game. This is a real deal. This is life. This is spiritual life or death. You know, whether we're going to be, whether we're going to go to heaven or not. That's what Paul's telling you. He's saying, I don't want to have be disqualified for the prize. So if Paul could be disqualified, if he didn't go into training, then I need to know that that's a possibility for me too. I don't go into training, but what's it going to look like? I'm going to start using what I learned. You know, this young man back here, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen, but he's fixing to go out to Fortran and preach out of Fortran. Let me tell you, I've done that. And I've went the very first time I ever went, you know, my wife couldn't talk to me for three weeks. <laughs> couldn't talk to me. I was, I was, I was nuts. Just three weeks. Uh, <laughs> well, the three weeks before because because I was I was nuts for three weeks because I knew it was coming. Okay, and I was I was nuts. You know, she didn't. She knew. Don't talk to him. Don't talk because he's gonna. Man, I'm gonna eat her, man. I'm gonna eat her head off, man. Because leave me alone. Get away from me. Don't talk to me. Just let me suffer in peace. So I know. I know what it feels like. You know, and it's and and you know. <laughs> you do that. You do that. Why would anybody subject himself to that? Because of a love for the truth and a love for his God, and he's willing to do that. Not everybody's called to do that, guys. You know, other people are called to do other stuff in their training. I'm not 
You may not be called to do that. But when you're called, are you going to serve faithfully and do the job and train for the job that God has got you ready to do? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Am I willing to beat myself up? Am I willing to, am I willing to sacrifice what I need to sacrifice to become the man or woman God has called me to be? And sadly, sadly, this text is about people who want God, people to tell them what they want to hear. I'm not telling you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what the truth is. The truth from this is you need to get in shape. You need to get busy, start working at your own salvation, doing whatever it takes, and not worrying about what mama says, daddy says, whatever. Not worrying about what somebody around you says. What do I need to do? What do I need to do to make sure that I can solidify my place in getting that crown of righteousness? Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 says, that if we stay faithful to the end, he'll give us a crown of life. Crown of life. That means I'm going to be, it's eternal. I will be with this eternally. I will be with him forever. That's what I'm shooting for. That's the pride that I'm shooting for. You know, now, now I got one more question here. How would you summarize your life? Now, right now. How would you summarize your life? Paul summarized his life. He said, man, he said, I've been righteous. I've been striving to be righteous. I've served faithfully. He said, I've, I've, I've looked forward to his appearing. I've done everything that I need to do to keep myself in life because I don't want to lose this, this, this reward. So I've been doing this. I trust God. I'm going to trust him with everything. And so he summarized in one little sentence. He summarized his whole life. How would you summarize yours? When it comes to your spirituality, your spiritual walk, how would you summarize your life? Yeah. Like the Hebrew writer said, keep our eyes on Jesus, our living hope. Okay. You know, and he'll direct our path. Does it make you perfect? No. Not what it's about. So I keep my eyes on Jesus. I keep focused on him. Okay? Dave, what were you going to say? Fortunate that the Lord stuck with me for so long. Okay. Yeah, because, because we bring baggage, don't we? We bring baggage sometimes that we can't get past. That we have to have God help us get past it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? How would you, huh? I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> that's, sometimes you know, that's I think I think you're selling yourself short. Be honest with you. I think you've done more than tried. I think you I think you've uh, stepped up when the need was there to step up. Every time I've ever known you to need to step up, you stepped up. Yeah. You know, and that's a that's a quality that is about you know. I mean, you step up in training. I mean, you step up. You do what what God's called you to do, even when it's painful, even when it hurts. You know, and even when you're not going to get any accolades. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, these two are right here. I drove up here Friday for my class, and they were here. I know that he get that. I don't. I think he got off at probably noon. They're up here working. When I left at seven thirty, they were still here. Okay. The next morning, it's breakfast. They showed up at 8 o'clock, and I don't know what time they left Saturday. I don't know. You know, they stepped up. Why? Because it was fun? Because it was... No. Because what's God called them to do in their ministry. That's what God's called them to do, so they're willing to step up and do that. When you summarize your life, you can say, I stepped up and did what God called me to do. Every single time he called, I was willing to step up and do. It's going to be really hard to do when you don't know what God's calling you to do. Because you don't know the book. You never stay any time in prayer. You never talk to anybody else, any other Christians. You don't know anything. All you know, Sunday morning, Wednesday night. That's all you know. That's not going to get it done, guys. 
It won't get it done. That's not what God's called us to. That's not going to get it done. I'm sorry if you don't want to hear that, but I'm telling you that's straight up the truth. You cannot fall in love with the with the truth. Like he tells us in 2 Thessalonians, he said they perish because they don't have a love for the truth to be saved. You cannot fall in love with the truth. You can't fall in love. You know, I'm sure at some point you have to fall in love with the training. You have to. Otherwise, it'll yeah. eat you alive. It'll eat you up. David Goggins, you listen to him, and he was in, he's in love with he's in love with training. You can tell it. You can tell by the way he talks. I mean, he wants everybody, he's written books, he wants everybody to know. Now, yet when you listen to him, you have to listen to his filthy mouth because some of it's pretty filthy coming out of his mouth. But I was listening to him yesterday just because I wanted to hear what is his mindset? What's a mindset of somebody like this? I'm going, well, I ain't never gonna get there. I'm never gonna have that mindset. But when you take when you tap into some of it, you can apply some of the principles of it in your own life. So when you say, when God says, you know, because everyone is going to stand before God at some point. Says the word is going to, what's going to judge us. John chapter 12 said the word will judge us on the last day. If I summarize my life, can I say, can I say I've listened to the word, I've listened to God speak, and I've strived with everything I had to apply those things to my life. Can you say that? And the answer is no. Then today you start. You start today. Yes, ma'am. Talking about the Navy SEALs, I don't know if everybody knows, Dale and Carly Munderwood's son mm -hmm. is a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Which speaks to mm -hmm. what he's made of, but also speaks to how they raised him. Did y'all hear that? Dale Underwood, who now is at King's Crossing in, in, in uh, Corpus, and Carlene, his wife, uh, their son is a Navy SEAL. Uh, uh, I, he, said, I uh, sat down with him before he went and kind of just tried to give him some, some insight of what it was going to look like. And, um, you know, one of the things that I could say about that man that, that I didn't have the courage to do, he lived his faith. Mm -hmm. in, in the toughest of situations, he's lived his faith. And he's probably to the point where he's, he's ready to get out. Last time I talked to Carlene, he's like, he's done. You know, it's it's like he's handcuffed. Uh, people don't want to hear it. People give grief about sharing his faith, you know. Yeah. But, I, I, I listened to, uh, I was talking to Robin Klemenchek one day, and her, their son went to go in, in, into, into Navy SEAL training. And I don't know if he ever did, but, but he was going to, he was worshiping at a church in, in California, and a bunch of the Navy SEALs went there. And so they were mentoring him. I don't ever know what happened, but it was the same thing. Am I going to be able to live my faith in front of people, how that's going to be? And they were, they were helping him mentor, mentoring him. So, you know, anyway. I just want you to think about this morning. Am I really fighting about, am I putting myself in the best position to fight the good fight? Am I putting myself in the best position as I run this race to be in training enough so that I win the prize? Or am I going to do haphazard, halfway, no no thought of, no plan of any kind of where I'm going, and I'm going to just do the, the least I can get away with. Am I going to do that? Is that what I'm going to do? And then at one day, God's going to say, man, I don't know who you are. I don't know you. And you'll know your whole life you wasted because you weren't in training like you're supposed to be and didn't do what you're supposed to do. Paul, said, Paul is warning us here. Now, let's move on. Now, remember I told you, this guy is fixing to die. He knows it. He knows. He's, he's in prison in Rome, and he says, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Now, I don't have time to read these texts, but if you go to Philemon 24, it says that, that 
that Demas was a fellow laborer with Paul. If you go to Colossians, let me, I, I think it was Colossians, let me see if I wrote it down. You go to Colossians chapter 4, it says the same thing, that he and the other ones were fellow workers with him. They worked, they worked with him, all right, for a long time. And here he says, Demas has left. For what reason? Why did he leave? What did it say? He loved this world. He loved this world. He loved this Look at what he said. Because he loved this world, he has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Falling in love with this world and spirituality and Christianity doesn't fit. Doesn't work. What does it mean? You think it means, and we don't have any other information. This is the only place that we see his name is, is in those three three texts. This one says he lost it. He he gave himself, he gave himself up. Okay? Okay? Now, what it, what do you think it meant? That Demas loved this world. What, from your perspective, what is he, What do you think it meant? He was getting benefits while he was living. Okay. Waiting for the eternity. Okay. I heard. I listened to one. I looked at one commentary, and the guy said, "Well, the the the, the thing says that that Demas in the past life owned a silver mine. You know, man, I want to know what does the book say." Every one of us has a silver mine in our life. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? Every one of us has a silver mine. It may not be silver and gold, but to us it's a silver mine. You know, I was really good at what I do here. I was really good at this. I was really good at that. And I could have let that take over. Right? Yes, ma'am. It can be anything that's of this world that isn't of God. Absolutely. That's, you know... What you know, I could ask, what's your silver mine? If that's what it was, and I don't, I just, I'm going by one commentary. Said, well, it was a rumor was, or the, his reputation was, he had a silver mine before he became. Well, let's say it was so. What was your silver mine? Go ahead, Darren. So that silver mine could be your family, mm -hmm. which you would think would be a good thing, mm -hmm. but it's still distraction. I remember you telling me that you worked ship work your whole life. Remember. Work at the plant, work, ship, work, and and we're afraid that you may have damaged your family and your children. Because I remember you telling me that. You know, that could have turned into your silver mine. But at some point, you looked around and said, No, I ain't doing this. I'm done, man. I can't do this no more because this is damaging to the people I care about around me. All right? So it may have been a job, could be family, it could be an ideology. You know, you go to school, get an education, man. I'm a smart rascal, man. I'm smarter than them guys, a lot smarter than them guys, because I'm I'm an engineer or I'm a I'm a whatever. And now you look around and say, now I've lost my faith because that became my silver mine. That became my God. I, I look around this room and I see a lot of talent in this room. A lot of people, man, you've got a lot of things you can do well, man. You know, I mean I could pick you out. I'm not gonna do that. You know, you've got a lot of things that you do well. If you let it get in the way, you're gonna end up like Demas. Just fact. You're going to end up like Demas if you let it. You may be here every Sunday. You may be here every Wednesday. But it got so much in the way that you can't, God cannot change you into what he needs you to become because you've left this world. You've left this and gone back into the world because the world is more important to you. And you show up. We just talked about, about false teachers and itching ears. What do you think these people, so many people in the world today are doing? They show, there are people this morning showing up at church. They're as lost as they can be. Because they put people around them to teach them the things that aren't true. Because they want to be, they want to be right. They want their opinion to be like truth. 
Your opinion, just because it's your opinion, don't make it true. Okay? You have a responsibility to say, you know what, I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to make sure that person right there, looking back at me, is doing everything he can do to gain that, that promise, that crown of life. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to depend, it's not going to be about my wife, it's not going to be about my husband, it's not going to be about my children, not my job. It's going to be about what God requires me to do to be the person I need to be. I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to make those kind of commitments in your life and say, you know what? I'm done playing games here. Because God, go back in the Old Testament, okay? We just did a podcast uh, about, about Korah and Dothan. Just that's coming out Wednesday. This next Wednesday. We just did it. It's in number 16. They go to, to, to Moses and say, who made you Lord over us? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Cole brought up something that I had never seen. He took us back to Exodus and said, you understand when Moses talked to God, his face glowed and shined. And he had to cover his face when he talked to the people. Think about if that was still going on, and he's talking to Korah and them, and he's got this covering, on, and they see the light coming out the side of it, and they're asking, they're standing there, who made you, Lord? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you kidding? God loves us and wants us to be, to be right with him. And he's given us every opportunity. He put Jesus in our path to lead us to him. We don't, if we don't step up and we let the world dictate us, one day that, that God is leading us. Can you, you know, Moses looks at him and he says, tell you what, you get your 250 guys and you meet us tomorrow. And he said, whoever God, whoever God wants, okay, that you, people will die around you just a little bit. But if not, if God wants me, then you're going to see something you've never seen before. And the next day, you know what happened? He said, you and all your possessions are going to be gone. And the earth opened up and swallowed them, and they were gone. Closed back up. They are gone. Woo! You know what happens the next day? The next day in that text, the whole assembly complains against Moses. Have y'all lost your mind? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? why I'm saying this is because Jesus has come on the scene and, and I'm looking at people and I'm saying, have you lost your mind? <laughs> Treating him with disrespect and contempt by how we live our life? Are you kidding? You know, we're going to come over, oh, I love Jesus, oh, I love Jesus. You know, and you don't love, that couldn't be further from your from the truth. Because you've proven that because on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, you've, listened, you've decided, I'm going to go back to the world. Okay? Don't be Demas. Strive with everything you have to be Paul. Be like him. Be like Timothy. Be like these guys. And, he's, and he talks about he talks about Tychicus, who's gonna he's gonna send back to Ephesus and take take his place. We're gonna try to finish this up next week. Probably won't make it, but we're gonna try. But you know the point is is that is that there's a lot going on here that I wanted you to see, and I really wanted you to see this, and I wanted you to see about Demas because this is this is going on today. There are people going back in the world having love for the world today. They're pulling this same thing. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.
Thank <laughs> you. 